This episode of Shifted marks the second part of a three-part series on how to make an adoption plan. Last time, we spoke with Yvonne about how to first reach out to an agency and gather information about adoption. This next part will be more of the meat and potatoes of the adoption process as we dive into a caseworker's role in supporting a woman facing an unplanned pregnancy. Welcome back. Today, we are sitting down with Haley Schaefer, a birth mother caseworker at the Gladney Center for Adoption. In her role, she is assigned to an expectant mother making an adoption plan. She assists her on her journey from choosing an adoptive family, hospital plan, accessing resources, and anything else along the way. Sweet Haley joins us to share what it's like to hold the hand of a woman making an adoption plan and what her typical day in the life of a social worker looks like. She describes some of the ways she supports them, but also some of the challenges and feelings expectant mothers often face during this difficult time in their life. And now, here is the second interview in our three-part series of How to Make an Adoption Plan with our guest, Haley Schaefer. All right. Well, we are excited to have you on the podcast today, Haley. I want to start with letting you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, my name's Haley. I'm a licensed social worker here at the Gladney Center. I work with expectant parents um, who are making an adoption plan. So when you were in high school, way back when, what did you want to be when you grew up? I love that question. I wanted to be a teacher Like Yay. from the time I was five years old. I used to um, make my brother play school with me and he was my student. Um, <laughs> did, he, did he cooperate? <laughs> yeah, he's much younger. So. He, he could bully him into it. Yeah. Um, but then I went to college and I took a intro to social work class and that the social work just covered all the things I loved about teaching. Um, and so I switched to that. Where did you go to college? Uh, Texas Christian University in Fort Worth. And what was your actual major? Social it work. Was social work. Mm-hmm. And um, I I think you would have been a good teacher too. This may, this all makes sense because you have a very teacher voice, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I bet, you're, I bet the clients that you work with also feel very like calm and relaxed because your voice is just so sweet. Absolutely. I would like to point out also, Haley has her two phones set out in front of her <laughs> because do. we commented that Yvonne did the same thing. I love that. I know. I was kind of hoping we might see some excitement. Yeah. You happens. guys are always on. No, this is my setup. I always have. <laughs> my two phones. <laughs> um, will you tell us a little bit about your job? What exactly is a caseworker? So a caseworker does many, many things. Um, the primary role would be um, supporting and guiding my clients through the adoption process. Um, So I'm their go-to person for everything. I coordinate their legal services. I provide counseling. I help them choose a family. I'm just, I'm their person throughout the entire process. So what's a typical day for 
for you as a caseworker? That's really hard. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there aren't typical days. I mean, there, there aren't. It might be easier to um, explain what a typical week looks like. Um, so I, I have a caseload. I talk or meet with all of my girls um, every week, um, do counseling depending on where they are in the process. I might accompany one of my clients to meet the adoptive family for the first time. If someone delivers and gives birth, then I'm at the hospital um, for a couple of days with them, providing support and counseling and, and um, with them during that time. So you really can't schedule too no. far in advance because, I mean, someone goes into labor and mm-hmm. everything blows up for you. Wow. Yeah, my schedule's very uh, week by week. So <laughs> it's hard to know what that's going to look like. And babies are born at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, sometimes they come early. You said that sometimes you're in the hospital with them for a few days. Do you actually, are you there in the delivery room with them or do you wait outside? Like, how does that work? Totally depends. So um, if there isn't a person in their life that they want in the room with them and they want me there, I'm happy to step in and be that support person. So I have been present for several um, births and um, which is really special and just so humbling. Um, If they have an awesome support system that can be there, then I'm just available by phone if they need me and I come up when they're ready for me to come up afterwards. And what specifically do you do to support these women? Like what direct services do you provide to them? Right. So um, when a client starts working with me, um, they're usually pretty settled on adoption, but might still be exploring other options. And so um, we do a lot of counseling, a lot of meeting regularly and just talking through, you know, what it is that they want for their child and, and how we can achieve that. Um, when they're ready, I, I help them match with an adoptive family. Um, so they tell me what all they're looking for in a family and what kind of adoption they want. We talk about the different kinds of adoptions and, and I help them figure out what would be best for them. Um, and then I'm there with them when they pick the family and meet the family and, um, kind of guide them through that process. And then after that, we're, we're getting ready for the birth. Um, so that involves working with our legal team to make sure everything is kind of signed and squared away. Um, and then also making a hospital plan um, and kind of figuring out what they want their birth to look like and their time at the hospital and, and their time with their baby um, before the adoption. So since you asked or mentioned the hospital plan, a lot of students will ask, do the mothers hold the babies? What does that look like in the hospital? It's totally up to the mother um, and what she's comfortable with. And so we spend a lot of time ideally talking about that before she even gets to the hospital. Um, because that time is her time and, and it can look any way she wants to. So I have some mothers that choose to spend 
their two or three days recovering in the hospital with their baby, holding the baby the whole time. And and they need that time, Mm -hmm. um, which is okay. And then I have some other mothers that, you know, that might be too hard. That might be too much. And so they might just hold the baby for a few hours here and there. And the rest of the time, the baby's in the nursery. And then there are some mothers that just need that kind of hard boundary and they choose to not spend time with the baby. But it's entirely the mother's choice. Haley, the two um, terms, birth mother and expectant mother, I hear them used and I was just wondering, am I supposed to say birth mother at some point and expectant mother? Are they interchangeable? Yeah. So they are two different terms with two different meanings. So an expectant parent would be any parent that is pregnant, maybe making an adoption plan, maybe making a parenting plan. Um, We save the term birth mother for after a woman relinquishes. Okay. So So, after they sign that document. Yes. That makes sense. So everyone's an expectant parent and then they become a birth parent if they relinquish um, and make an adoption plan. Because they might be making an adoption plan and then change their mind. So that's why they're an expectant mother up until. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So then that means you technically are working with expectant mothers Mm -hmm. up until the point of relinquishment. Okay, Mm -hmm. good to know. Relinquishment. Can you explain what does that mean? Yeah, so relinquishment refers to the legal documents that an expectant parent signs 48 hours after a child is born. And that's what makes the adoption. I wanted to know, we we learned a bit about why someone would make an adoption plan and how they reach out to start the process. That was in our first episode of this series with Yvonne. But I'm curious, when you meet up with an expectant mother as their caseworker for the first time, What's usually going on in their life and where are where are they in the adoption journey pregnancy when when you first meet them? They've worked with an options counselor at that point. So they're usually pretty interested in adoption, if not completely settled on adoption. It's okay if they're not completely settled and we can continue to talk about their different options and explore all of that during our time together. So at that point, they've already filled out some of their background um, information. And so we're really going to be working on counseling um, and then matching um, with an adoptive family. One question, when Carrie and I go into the classroom and we're speaking with students, they often ask, is the birth father involved with making an adoption plan? Is he? He can be. Um, So if that's good for him and for the expectant mother, then absolutely we want him involved. Um, If she doesn't want him involved or if he's just not present. Um, He doesn't have to be. Um, Every state has different laws um, regarding birth fathers. Um, In Texas, a woman does not have to identify or include a father. And if he is included in making the adoption plan, does he also get to choose the family or get to be a part of like an open adoption or semi-open adoption as well? Absolutely. So he can be as involved as he wants to be, whatever's comfortable for him and the expectant mother. 
Since we're talking about birth fathers, I've had a student ask this before. Can a birth mother ask for a semi-open adoption and the birth father want more of an open adoption? We would kind of handle that case by case. And I would talk to both parents and and as, if they're both comfortable with that, absolutely. So we just want to make sure that everyone is in agreement to that. But yeah. That is it. That was a good question, Carrie. Thank you. When you are working with your expectant mothers, you mentioned that you often are counseling with them. What exactly does that mean? What are you talking about with them? Yeah, so we do kind of two kinds of counseling, adoption counseling and then grief and loss counseling. So the adoption counseling is going to be talking through the different kinds of adoption, what works best for her, helping her talk to people in her life about adoption um, and, and preparing her for that. Um, and then the grief and loss counseling, which is where we spend a lot of time, is going to be preparing her for this loss. Even though she's making this choice and it's a really intentional parenting decision, it's still a big loss for her. And so we want to give her all of the tools and words to be able to kind of walk through that um, pro- the grief process. Absolutely. That's, that's heavy. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like Gladney does a lot of really amazing things and provides counseling and support lifelong for our expectant and birth mothers. So I am a little curious, do you get to travel for your job? I do. So we work with expectant parents all over the country. Um, And it's important that we go to them and meet them in their community um, instead of, you know, making them come to us. So yeah, I go everywhere. Where where is somewhere that's been very exciting? Alaska. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that'll ever happen again. But yes, <laughs> was it cold or was it summer? What was it like? It there? was October, so it was like cool, but not cold. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Did, did you get heads up about that trip, or was it like Haley, you're going to Alaska? Like a tomorrow. week's notice. But yeah. Wow. It was very cool. And do you? mainly call with your, uh, with the women you're working with or do you text with them primarily? I'm just totally depends. So the women I work with, you know, are all ages. Mm -hmm. So like my teen and young adult clients, it's a lot of texting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Haley, you mentioned going to the hospitals when the, when the baby's born. Can you talk about, um, an expectant mother making a hospital plan and just what is a hospital plan and what does that look like? A hospital plan is a plan that an expectant mother makes before she delivers. Um, It covers a lot of the details of what she wants her time in the hospital to look like. So she gets to decide how much time she spends with the baby, who gets to hold the baby first, um, who gets to see the baby. Um, She can also decide if she wants the adoptive family to come visit her at the hospital. And sometimes um, the expectant mothers I work with, they want the adoptive parents to room in is what we call it. And that's when they get their own hospital room room. Um, And so the baby can stay with them and begin the bonding process. Um, Expectant mothers don't have to do that. It's just an option um, that they have. So she gets to decide, though, what she wants her time to look like in the hospital. Are nurses usually okay with the whole 
process, the rooming in? I mean, what, do you ever have to speak to a nurse and explain adoption to them? Rarely I do. So for the most part, they're very supportive and sweet. Um, sometimes this is their first adoption or they've had a negative experience with something closely related to adoption in the past. And so I have to provide education and kind of explain what's going on and, and, and get them on the same page. <laughs> but Would you say most of your expectant mothers prefer the adoptive family to be there or not? It's honestly half and half. Really? Mm -hmm. Um, Some girls will just want the adoptive family to come visit for a few hours. Um, That way they can still have the baby in their room and and get to hold the baby and spend time with the baby. But they also get to see the adoptive family and see the adoptive family with the baby, which can kind of help them move along um, with the process. So the adoptive parents, I want to talk about the expectant mother choosing the parents and what that looks like, because I would think that would be kind of a fun part um, of the process. Yeah. It's kind of done like two ways. So a lot of the adoptive families, well, all adoptive families make profiles. A lot of them have online profiles. So a lot of our girls will go onto the website and look at all the different profiles, hundreds of profiles, and they may have a family picked out before they even contact Gladney. And so that's one way for them to pick a family. The other way would be um, to work with me and um, they can tell me all the things they're looking for in a family and what kind of adoption they want. And then I will kind of filter through all those profiles for them um, and give them however many profiles they want to look at that meet that criteria. Yeah, because hundreds could be really overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> so you're really kind of their advocate. And yeah. Even say you bring them five profiles, mm-hmm. you know, you narrow it down. What if they don't like? Well, then I get five more. So we just keep and they can tell me why they didn't like those profiles until we find the right family for them. So you mentioned a lot of times expectant mothers come to us because they've heard of Gladney. They have adoption in their life. Have you ever had someone find a family on our website and and not know anything about Gladney. They just chose this family and reach out that way. Yeah, that happens too. So, um, Yes, we have girls that find a family online. That's the right family for them. They see that that family is working with Gladney and that's how they get hooked up with us. We've said the word profile quite a bit, but what exactly is a profile? Um, So there's two kinds of profiles that the adoptive families make. They make an online profile and then they have like a hard copy too. The hard copy is more like a scrapbook. So it's a book that has lots of pictures of their life. They write a letter to the expectant parent. They talk about their marriage and their family and and just kind of what their day-to-day life is like. It's a way for expectant parents to get a glimpse of what their day-to-day life is like. Um, And the adoptive families can also make an online online profile, which kind of looks like a dating website in a way, but it's got their bio and it has pictures and they can list, you know, what kind of adoption they're wanting and just different facts about themselves. And it's a way that expectant parents can kind of filter through and, and find the right family for them. I actually want to take it back to address the hospital. Once that baby is born, what happens next? What is the next step? Yeah, so the mother will get to decide what she wants 
those next two days at the hospital look like. We refer back to the hospital plan. Um, so she may be spending time with the baby or not. Um, we're getting ready for the legal documents that she's going to sign and, and preparing for that. Um a huge like hormonal shift happens when you deliver a baby. And so she's probably going to be feeling really emotional, um, really tired. My goal for her at the end of all of this is just that, that she would feel at peace with whatever decision she makes. And so I, I want to be there and provide that emotional support and make sure that we're doing what we need to do so that she can feel at peace with whatever she decides. You mentioned relinquishment. What can you talk a little bit about that, what it means and why it's important to the adoption process? Yeah, relinquishment, that's the moment that an expectant mother becomes a birth mother. So that's a legal document that she signs that relinquishes her parental rights to the child. Um, So when she signs that, she is no longer the legal parent and the child is now available for adoption. The earliest you can sign that in Texas is 48 hours after the child is born, which she usually lines up about the time she leaves the hospital. So a lot of the women I work with will choose to sign that right before they leave the hospital. And I think they do that because they can kind of leave everything at the hospital mm-hmm. and just go home mm-hmm. and recover. And they don't have this kind of hanging over them. You're the person that brings the relinquishment papers into the room. That's heavy. Yeah. So that's a really kind of sacred, special moment. I never want to rush her. It's It's got to be her choice. She has to be ready to sign it. If she needs a little bit longer or like, can she have more time? Absolutely. She can have as much time as she needs. So if we need to make other arrangements for the baby while she's taking that time, that's fine. We have volunteer families here that can take care of the baby while she kind of works through what she needs to work through. Why do you think there is that law in Texas to have 48 hours before you sign that relinquishment. Because right after you give birth can be so emotional and you can be so tired. And so I think the law was designed to just make sure that she was sure and that this was really what she wanted. And if she does change her mind, does she like for all the services that Gladney offered, does she owe anything to Gladney or anything like that? So yeah. all of the services are free to the expectant mm-hmm. mothers. Yeah. Has it ever has it ever been the case where um, someone's delivered, decided they wanted a parent, tried to parent, and then came back and said, can we revisit my adoption plan? Yes, they can absolutely do that. So they can make an adoption plan at any point, even if they've been parenting for a few weeks or whatnot. Um, I actually admire that. And I would rather that she tried to go home and parent and and knew that she gave it her all before making adoption plan. I think that helps with her grieving process and, and that she can know later that she really did give it her all before making an adoption plan. I know at Gladney, language is really important, but, and we would not normally say this, and I'm saying it in air quotes, but students will ask us, does a birth mom really love her baby if she's giving it away to somebody? A hundred percent. Adoption's a really hard, difficult 
choice. Um, I don't think someone would go through that process if they didn't love their child because it's, I think, the harder choice. Um, It requires sacrifice and it requires going through a huge loss. Um, I think adoption's a really intentional, loving parenting choice. It takes a lot of work. It's not it's not someone giving up. It's it's someone it's 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 not giving up. It's them loving their child so much that they want something better for them that maybe they can't provide at that time in their life. Absolutely. Right? It's them putting their child's needs in front of their own. They're making a parenting plan. Mm-hmm. Right. And she also said intentional. And I think that's important. This isn't something they just decided overnight. Like they have really thought this out. Absolutely. But do you ever have people who find out what you do for a living and they'll ask you questions, kind of have some misconceptions about adoption? Do you do you, do you have, have to, to educate, educate in them? your personal life? Unfortunately, just the way that birth mothers are portrayed in media and and, you know, what we know from like CPS kind of stuff, which is totally separate from what we do. A lot of people will just have negative assumptions about birth moms that they're drug addicts and all these things. And it's not fair. It's not fair. (laughs) It's not fair. And they love their babies so much. And that's why they, they, they're doing this. You told us about relinquishment. What happens after that? So after relinquishment comes placement. So that is the day that um, the adoptive family takes placement of the baby, um, the expect or the birth mother at that point, um, she can be a part of that. Um, so she can be there the moment that the adoptive family, um, becomes parents. Um, she can be the one that carries the baby into the room. Um, she gets to spend as much time as she wants with the family, um, before she leaves. It's a really, a really sweet moment. If she wants to, I, I encourage um, the birth parents I work with to go to placement because I think it can help kind of bring that feeling of peace to them for them to see the final kind of product of what they've been working on for so long. What are some of the feelings that some of your expectant mothers, or I guess at this point they become birth mothers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they're birth mothers so, at this point. So they've signed relinquishment and they're about to have placement. What are those feelings? It's a whole mix of feelings. Um, my my girls will tell me that they are happy, sad. Um, that's a word that we use a lot because they're so happy for this family and for their child, but they're also feeling a lot of sadness because it is a loss for them. Even though they made that decision and it's what they want, they still have those feelings of loss. So it's, it's a bittersweet day. I have one placement that sticks out in my mind that was really sweet because the adoptive family had an older child. So that would be the baby's big brother, but also the birth mother had a son the same age. Um, so he had a birth sibling too, and both boys were there. Um, and they just kind of had this like big family moment and they have this beautiful oh. open relationship now. And, and um, so that was really sweet to see the birth sibling, the adoptive sibling all together. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. So that means sometimes your expectant or your birth moms 
do have children that they're currently parenting. Do you help support them in their parenting outside of making an adoption plan too? Absolutely. So we not only help them with their adoption, we try to help them in every way that we can. If they're making an adoption plan, usually there's some other things going on in their life too. So we'll assess that. We have a program here called Next Steps. And so her job is to kind of help them with anything outside of adoption. So we will get them connected with parenting resources, job training, education, housing assistance, kind of whatever she needs. Um, Our goal is always that she leaves us just in a better place than when she came to us. That continuing care, not just while she's making the plan. Absolutely. We want to help like the whole person, all of her needs, not just adoption. I like that. The whole person. Yeah. Because she's... I know you have so many, but can you, does one story stick out in your mind? Thinking more about the teenagers I've worked with. Um, I've worked with several like seniors and there's one in particular that sticks out. She um, grew up in foster care um, and she was adopted when she was 14 or 15 um, by like her, gosh, like sixth or seventh foster family. And um, her birth mother was a teen mom herself. And um, my client, when she was 18 and a senior in high school, discovered she was pregnant and decided to make a, a different plan that her mom made. Um, and, and she chose adoption. And she just kept telling me, I just want to do things differently than my birth mother did. I don't want to live the same life she lived and for my kids to end up in the same place I did. Not that that would necessarily happen, but she wanted to make a proactive choice. Um, And now she has this beautiful open relationship with the family. Um, She's in college. She wants to be a doctor. She's awesome. And so she has gone on to do great things, which I think is the greatest thing that she can do for her child is to go on and, and, and pursue her dreams. Wow. And, and by doing that, her child is never going to be in the system the way. Absolutely. That was her whole thing is that she, because her and her siblings um, grew up in the foster care system and she didn't want that for her child. And I just thought that was so smart and mature and, and just brave of her to, to do that. She broke that cycle. Wow. Mm-hmm. As we're wrapping up, what is, what is something you would tell someone facing an unplanned pregnancy? Take a deep breath, um, know that you have time, um, and know that there isn't a wrong choice. You have several choices. Um, It is your right um, to explore all of those choices um, and and to, to figure out what's best for you and your baby. And if adoption is is one of those choices, we have counselors here that you can call just to explore what that would look like without any commitment. I love the take a deep breath. So if you could describe a birth mother using three adjectives. Um, Loving, brave, and um, strong. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Wow, I loved hearing about how Haley connects with her clients. That is such a big job to build trust with someone going through a difficult time so that they genuinely feel supported. I agree. I think Haley is so real and kind and empathetic. I feel confident that she's the best person to fit that role. And I do wonder if once placement is over, if it's hard for the birth moms to not work with her anymore. I bet they miss her. Well, the good news is that in the next part of this series, we are meeting up with Anna Abraham, who is there to take over when Haley's duties come to an end. 
Anna is a post-adoption caseworker at Gladney and can give us all the information on what it's like supporting these women for life through our post-adoption services. Stay tuned for the next episode in the How to Make an Adoption Plan series. And remember, if you or someone you love is experiencing an unplanned pregnancy, you can contact Gladney numerous ways from our website at gladneyadoption.com or our 24-7 hotline, 1-800-GLADNEY, which is 1-800-452-3639. Feel free to follow and share this episode as a resource on your social platforms. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.